0: Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Oh, Jesus, your love over us. Hallelujah. Thanks so much, guys. Sure, oh, what a blessing, eh? Thanks to the band, guys at the back. Awesome. Can I ask if everybody can come a little bit closer? We're not actually that far dispersed, but maybe the guys at the back will be lucky to have you a bit closer. Thanks so much. Welcome to come closer. Thank you. What a blessing, welcome. Such a privilege to share the word this evening. Ach, isn't it amazing in his presence, hey? Sure, can go on this like this for hours. Praise the Lord. Spring is in the air. Amen, hallelujah. Yeah. Also a bit of uh, hay fever in the air. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but um, we are David's. Party on Friday. He's turning nine tomorrow. Almost double digits, my son. Amazing. He's such a blessing. Uh, we had a baptism this afternoon, which was really cool. And although the kids were swimming on Friday, I didn't realize how cold the water still is. So this afternoon, uh, it was very refreshing baptizing those amazing people. That was really amazing. It's not a lot. There's a few things that I enjoy more than seeing people make a proclamation publicly of what God has done in their hearts. It's so powerful. It's really amazing. Um, If you're still looking for an opportunity to get baptized, just let us know and we'll we'll organize. Amen. And actually, it's not that cold. Okay, you'll be fine. (laughs) Awesome. Great. Yeah, so... um, Find my notes. This morning we also had our first service at uh, at the the gate the gate shelter in the city. Uh, a while ago we were approached by the committee. The um, it's a, a shelter for homeless men. About two hundred and fifty something guys that are living there. And uh, yeah, they approached us and said they want to partner with us and they wanted to know if we want willing to bring to minister the word there on a regular basis. So really excited about that opportunity. It's really from God. It's a great open door for ministry. And uh, this morning went really well, and uh, and already they had, a, I think, 10-plus people respond for salvation and just to give their hearts to Christ. And yeah also really expectant we we're hoping to work towards a place where we can have a small group there where we can really raise up disciples um, so watch this space and if you're really if you're keen to get involved there at this point, for the first bit it'll only be men because it's only men staying there, but we're working on them, and we're hoping that they'll allow us to open the service up for the community in the area, um, which will then obviously include uh, women and children so that's really awesome um. And in fact, let's let's take a moment to pray for that. Maybe let's just I'll just pray, and if you can just agree with me, we'll just trust the Lord for what He's doing there. Father, we're so thankful for this incredible opportunity, Lord, to bring Your Word um, to a different demographic, Lord, a different part of the city, Lord. And in the name of Jesus, we we thank You for Your for this opportunity, Lord, and we ask, Holy Spirit, that You would clearly direct our steps. We ask, Lord, that you would bless our relationship with the leadership team there. We ask for clarity as you direct us, and we ask, Holy Spirit, for your power at work in the lives of people. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for each person that responded, that called on your name to be saved today. and We pray the blood of Christ over them, and your protection over them, and that you would bless them and that they, they would flourish as they grow in their faith, Lord, in Jesus' name. Yeah, and We ask that you would stir our hearts, Lord. and with with compassion for the lost, Lord, but also that we would be moved to obedience, and as we just partner with you there, that we would move in obedience to your Spirit, Lord. We trust for your resurrection power as we minister there, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thanks so much. Yeah, you know, and we just consecrate this time to you, Lord. We thank you for your Word. We thank you for your presence here, Lord. We thank you that even. Oh, even through worship, you were ministering and you were touching our lives. And we thank you, Lord. Even as we bring worship to you, we receive so much. And even as we just love to spend time in your presence, you you are so amazing to minister to each one of us in such a specific way. So we thank you for that. And we give you all the glory. And we consecrate this time to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, I want to start with um a scripture from Luke chapter 10 and uh, from verse 38. <clears throat> now while they were on their way, Jesus entered a village called Bethany and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet. This is the amplified version, by the way. And was continually listening to his teaching. But Martha was very busy and distracted with all of her serving responsibilities. And she approached him and said, Lord, is it, not, is it of no concern to you um, that my sister has left me to do the serving alone? Tell her to help me and do her part. But the Lord replied to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered. And anxious about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, that which is to her advantage and which will not be taken away from her. For a moment, I had a flashback. It sounded like one of my children was saying, Why do I have to do all of this, but the other ones aren't helping? In any case. (laughs) But uh, a while ago, I heard Andy Bird minister around this scripture and. um, what really struck me is he actually said, and I think often many of us come into a place where we read the scripture and we, um, we feel guilty when, we, when we're passionate about serving and we're passionate about getting stuff done for God and we want to see the kingdom come and we want to get stuff done and get out there. And, um, and he said that he came to a point where he realized this, this is not the issue here. But Jesus said that the serving and the, what she was busy with wasn't the problem. The problem was that the heart was not with him. And he was, she was distracted, um, and she was worried, and she was anxious and bothered. And all these things were pulling attention ab- away from him. You know, and if you think about the context of the day, they probably had a very small home, maybe just even a, a single room or maybe two rooms so. So if he was sitting and speaking, and even if she was busy in the background, she would have probably been close enough to hear what he was saying. So if she wasn't distracted, she would probably be able to do what she was doing and still receive and still hear what he was saying. And um, and yeah, it's it's it's, this is but isn't this kind of we often you know in society where we live, this is where we find ourselves. Right? There's so many things. So many things. Go to the next slide. There's so many things that that contend for our attention and for our time, and you know, there's so <laughs> so many things that we're juggling. And the other day we were looking at our uh, just one of one of the days in the week is just not only one. There's a few of them where the, the children's schedules and sport and programs just all over the place. Mm-hmm. But isn't that What's happening all around us? You know, we run from thing to thing, and from responsibility to responsibility, from appointment to appointment, and and this I can so I can so relate to this because we are bothered and anxious and worried about many things. Maybe it's just me, okay? <laughs> but there are many things pulling at us. Um, but I, I really sense that God is inviting us to a place where we can be like Mary again, where we can choose that thing, the one thing that is most important. Yes, that we can be good stewards of what God has called us to do. Yes, we can get around to the things that need to be done, but that that we would be able to pursue the one thing that is of real significance, pursuing His presence, pursuing His Um, him as a person pursuing God. And they are the one person in Scripture that we can see that seemed to have had this as a lifestyle, as David. Um, And obviously he had his issues and he had his challenges, but right from a very young age we see this in his life, that he enjoyed the presence of God. You know, the Lord calls him a man after his own heart. Um, And... I want to look at this one bit here. we. Do you like that thing of weapons of mass distraction? Yeah. Oh, this guy that wrote that book, this is a book, uh, bottom left, Digital Cocaine. He's in the country in October, hey? We'll send details soon. Any case, um, really powerful teaching around how to manage digital stuff in our lives. Any case. Um, so David, let's go to First Samuel, and uh, just a bit of context. Um, I, I want to mention mention this because there's such a powerful illustration here of where David was at, even at such a young age. And so the prophet Samuel is sent by God to go and anoint David as anoint the next king. He doesn't know who it is yet. So um, he goes. Comes to J.C. and David's family's town. So, just to give you a bit of an idea, this was besides the king. This was the most important and most powerful person in in the nation. And uh, so, probably like a prime minister in England, we, they have the queen and then they have the prime minister, like like one of the two. Right? <laughs> so, if if Saul was the king, then you know. It's, Samuel would be like the prime minister. Are you with me? So this was not a small thing for, to happen for a town like this. So when he arrived, the, the elders of the town came at, like trembling, and they said, are you coming in peace? You know, is this, Are you here for a good thing? Are you, <laughs> is, this, is there a problem? And they he said, no, I'm coming in peace. So they were very, very relieved. But the context here is that for, for the um, family of David, when, when Samuel said he wants to sacrifice with him, he wants them to join him, He's basically coming to to their house, and that was like the prime minister coming to your house. So this was probably the most significant thing to happen in their family history for generations, that the prophet would come to them. Are you with me? So there must have been a lot of running around and, you know, getting stuff ready and making sure everybody is, you know, up to scratch and, um, and, uh, you know, so and this is such an insignificant moment but but David isn't included in the moment. So so I can't imagine them forgetting about him. So he was not worth it was not worth for them to to invite him. You see, so he wasn't esteemed in the family. He was like oh, the that the youngest and he was out there eating the sheep and and clearly it wasn't worth the hassle call him because it, he wasn't significant in the family. Can you see that? It's quite hectic, actually. You know, So even just that kind of communicates something around his status or his place in the family. You know, He wasn't esteemed highly. He wasn't seen as worth much. He was just kind of the, the runt there in the field watching the sheep. And we see something more of that later on when the whole Goliath thing happens. But let's read here. And oh yeah, so um, so then, you know, Samuel sees the eldest son, and he's um, he's like, "You're surely this must be the Lord's anointed." You know, he's a big guy, he's handsome, he's you know he carries himself well. And um, and then immediately the Lord says to him, "Listen, I I look differently. I don't look at the exterior. I look at the heart." And um, and then you know once they see it's not. It's not the eldest, you know, Then, you know, you can just imagine the rest of thinking, oh dear, if it's not him, maybe it's me, you know, maybe then this is my chance, you know, let's look at verse 10. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So now he's thinking, what's happening? Did I miss it? Did, did I miss God? Did I, am I at the wrong house? So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? <laughs> did you forget about one? And they he said, oh, yeah, they're still the youngest, Jesse answered, he's tending the sheep. So nobody thought about David. So can you see that he's, he's dealing with rejection in his life? He's, he's not uh, esteemed highly. Samuel said, send for him, we will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and he had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. And, and doesn't this say something that even, even in the midst of that kind of rejection and him being pushed out and not being included in this significant event, he's glowing with health. <laughs> he's, not, he's doing well, right? So he, even here yeah, it's visible. And later on in his writings, in the Psalms, we can see that as a, young, as a young boy in the field, he had experiences with the power of God and the presence of God. So even in the midst of being rejected by his family and not being considered worth anything, he's glowing with health. He's, he's found something that is more significant than all of that. He's, even as a young boy, he's found something in the presence of God that is defining him. Can you see this? Um, he was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome feature. Then the Lord said, Arise Ari- and anoint him. This is the one. Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. And Samuel went to Ramah. Yeah, and we see this in uh, in the Psalms when and we see that God calls him a man after his own heart. And he um we see that this that he's found something in the presence of God. And then later on in Psalm twenty-seven, verse four, we're gonna read this. And the context here is um, they were writing that what's just happened is his own son, Absalom, has taken hold of the authority of the country. He's, there was a the military coup led by his son. They've, by force, taken control of the country. David fled. He didn't, you know, retaliate. Um, but his son basically prepared to kill him to take authority, to take the, the kingdom to be king so I I can't even imagine as a dad what that must be like that your own son wants to kill you to take everything from you so he's just lost that he's lost his son he's lost, well his son is now the king he's, you know, he's lost his authority he's lost the throne, he's lost everything he's hiding away somewhere and uh, you know when we think he'll be interceding and praying for the Lord for vengeance and for you know for you know justice to be done, but let's let's see what he re- writes here. It says one thing, I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, one thing, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. His head is on a different place. Can you see this? How powerful is this? He's he's not anxious about his authority that he lost or his, the kingdom that he's lost or the throne or he, he's not he's obviously mourning that his son is going he's done this but his heart and his his whole being is focused on on god um, even in this time of crisis he says one thing i have asked of the lord that will i seek after that i may dwell in the house of the lord I may to only his presence and that so He's 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 found that one thing that Jesus was talking about amen um and i yeah you know, i have such a con- conviction that god is inviting us to that place that mary found in at his feet even in the midst of the chaos it's, for me it's almost like the more chaos the more we need we need to have that place in his rest in his presence amen I'm always reminded of um, Daniel. He had a tough job. Remember Daniel? He was uh, in charge of all the ma- magicians and the soothsayers and the whatever else. <laughs> he had a very position of high authority in the kingdom in Babylon. And um, it must have been hectic. Because all of that stuff going on was absolutely not what he was about. And uh, But he took time three times a day to seek God's face. It's as if he knew the more the, the issues, the more the challenges, the more the things I have to deal with, the more I need to get into his presence, the more I need to seek his face. And three times a day, he prayed and he sought the face of God, and he was pursuing his presence. Um, so, yeah, we see this this thing in, in the life of David. and. Something that Heinrich, our leader of our apostolic team, has been sharing about—that I'm really excited about—is he's been just sharing that from Joshua chapter three. I'm going to read a bit from now, and that that we as a church family, you know, celebrating our 30th birthday, but you know, leading up to our coming all together at at convergence. And he's saying he's got such a sense that God is bringing. consecrating us and is inviting us to consecrate ourselves for what God is about to do and we see the similar thing happening here in in Joshua the nation of Israel as as they're about to enter the promised land this is the this is what they've been waiting for for so long and they're about to cross the Jordan, and then this consecration had to happen. Many of them had to be circumcised. There was this a time period, there was a a, a while. It wasn't a quick thing. It was a time of consecration before they could actually cross into this new season, into a new dispensation, into a completely new time in their lives, in the in the in the life of this nation. So it gives them some very clear instructions. Um, Let's just read here Joshua 3 from verse 2. At the end of the three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall shall set out from your place and follow it, yet there there shall be a distance between you and it about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go you have not passed this way before. So he's saying, follow the presence of God. Keep your eyes on the presence. Don't go too close. Make sure you can see you know, the ark. Um, you've not gone this way before. He's saying, this is new territory. And this is something that you don't know. Stay dependent upon the Holy Spirit. You know, fix your eyes on his presence. Follow him. And then he says this very powerful thing. He says, you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua says to the, said to the people, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And this is what Anich was saying. and this is, I, such a, I can so relate to what he's saying. That there we are in a season of consecration and readiness, getting ready. Um, and last weekend I think was a big step <laughs> forward in terms of us being open for what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And even, even being open for what the Holy Spirit wants to do requires consecration. mean, requires for us to set ourselves aside, to consecrate ourselves. Um, and I believe that's really what God is inviting us to. Yes, He knows all the things that are pulling at us. Yes, He knows all the things that's taking time, taking attention, taking energy and faith. But He's inviting us to a place of consecration. And I can just relate for the last couple of months. This with the Lord has just been, you know, working in my life, in my heart, just showing me things that He wants me to deal with, showing me, you know, I need to repent of stuff and forgive people, and just wrestling through things with God, as if as if there was a season, like even with the nation in, the Is- in Israel in the wilderness, there was a season where some things were okay, but now going into this new promised land. Now those things are no longer okay. And now what, for them there was a physical thing that had to happen. Many were not circumcised in the desert but now they had to be circumcised. Uh, so there's, I really sense that this is similar. You know, There's a, there's a um, circumcision of hearts that Scripture talks about. That God is calling us that a place where we allow him to show us what are the things in our heart. That is not of Him. What are the things that we, that He's going to give us grace to for to to cut out? Maybe, maybe unforgiveness. Maybe hardness of heart. Maybe something that was kind of okay for a season, but now the Lord wants to gently put His finger on it and say, we need to for what's to come. You know, we need to get rid of this. Uh, my friend Christoph, last while has been talking a lot about. Um, How, you know, the whole thing about new wine that cannot be in old wineskins. And how something like fasting and prayer and consecration prepares us or makes us new wineskins again. Um, Amen. So, yeah, so I believe he's inviting us to that place of getting rid of the things that's hindering. And thanks so much for sharing that, Birgit. Because I can so relate to that and agree that even things that aren't sin, but that eat up our lives, that take so much time, I believe He's helping us to say, "Okay, this may have been okay for a while, but no, this is no longer okay." Amen. So I was—I've I've been deleting stuff off my phone. You know, any apps and stuff that are just time-consuming, time stuff that's not necessary, just getting rid of things that I can see this is just taking time, that, that I want to rather spend pursuing Him. Amen. Um, a while ago, I, I realized that I shouldn't go near a series. This is not for this is not the gospel. I just, I just put conviction for myself. Because I, I don't know, maybe it's just me, because... They write it in such a way, they catch you on the first one, and then you think, oh, I'll just watch a few episodes, you know, but I won't waste too much time, so I'll spend, like, the whole Saturday, because I don't want to spend weeks, right? <laughs> How's that logic? You know, and you think, no. And then you think, oh, I'll just do the first season, and then I'll, then I'll just, that's it. Then I'll pack it away, and I'll waste no more time on this nonsense. Because it's not edifying, right? It's not... I mean, the only series I've seen that's edifying was The Chosen. Okay, you go for it. You can watch that one. <laughs> but then, you know, you get to the last one, and then they write it in such a way that you think, yeah, I must just watch the first one of the next season, you know? The first one of the next, and then then I know what, what this cliffhanger is all about, and then I'll just leave it there. And then I realize, no, this isn't working. So I'm staying away from that stuff, okay? Um... Too much time. Amen, are you with me? But, uh, but you know, you know what's that, What's in your life. I'm really trusting the Holy Spirit. Obviously sin, yes, if there's patterns of sin, that's part of it. Consecrating ourselves, saying I need to be accountable. I need, if I'm addicted to something, I'm seeing this pattern in my life. Realizing, yeah, I'm not managing this. This is a pattern. I, th- I thought I could handle it, but I'm not handling it. And it's a, such a powerful testimony to say, and I had to do the same, you know, talk to accountability partners, talk to people saying this, hold me accountable, because I want to, I want to walk in a way that's pleasing to the Lord, and I want to pursue Him um, with everything in me. And I want to read from Second Chronicles. Um, now, this is a scripture that we all know, and you can't go to a big a significant prayer meeting without reading, reading the scripture, but often when we read this at prayer meetings, um, I don't know, maybe just me, but when I read it the first few times, I always thought, there are a bunch of people in our country that need to repent, right? And once they've repented and turned, then, hallelujah, then the Lord will come and heal our land, but that is not what the scripture says, so let's just read it. And just hear what he says to us. Second Chronicles 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name. Is there anybody here? That is God's people called by his name. Hallelujah. Yes, a few of us. I praise the Lord. If my people. <laughs> so this is me, right? If my people who are called by my name. Humble themselves and pray and seek my face. And still the same people turn from their wicked ways. So it's not the unbelievers far away. It's God's people who are called by his name. If we would pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, and he says, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. And that is kind of so convicting because so often, you know, I had read the same thing, and I thought, those guys who are causing... Our land not to be healed, who are they? <laughs> and I believe this is part of that invitation that God is saying. If his people, if we, the people of God, the bride of Christ in, in South Africa, if we are willing, and bride of Christ here, show for Pretoria family, if we are willing to humble ourselves, and that's part of it. You know, walking in the light, being open with one another, acknowledging I need help, I need I need accountability, I need prayer in this area. And then it says, and pray and seek my face. In other words, I'm, I'm setting time aside. I'm not doing a five-minute um, Bible plan thingy quickly in the car, listening in the traffic, which is fine. Please, don't, don't not listen to the Scripture in the car. That's awesome. But, you know, often I get this feeling we rush rush through life, and I rush stuff with God as well. But I feel He's inviting us to a place of consecration um, where we come to that place of what is really important. Um, I, I'm reminded of a... I heard a, a guy ask a question to a very well-known theologian. Um, and he asked him, how do you continue in the in the disciplines of of what it means to be a disciple of Christ. How do you continue in those basic disciplines in the hectic season of having babies and small children and not sleeping for months and just that kind of, that hectic season? How do you do it? And they said, you know, he said, you've got an 18-month-old and there's another one on the way. And the and the man said something really powerful. First, he says, firstly, you have to ask yourself, does God ever give us too much to do? You know, and then it's like, it's a, it's obviously a tricky question because if you believe God is sovereign and He's wise and He's all you knowing, then surely yes, He doesn't. He doesn't ever give us too much to do. So then he said, okay. Then secondly, you need to have you need to be willing to take time to wrestle with God about what of all these things that's that's making you so busy and it's taking so much time that you are not able to follow, you know, walk in the disciplines of following Christ. Which which of all those things are not from God, which of all those things are precious from outside or stuff that is that he doesn't didn't didn't give you to do? does it make sense um yeah so that's that's and it, what what he did say is keep the children don't you know don't throw that that out you know hang on to, to those, but wrestle with God about the rest um and I can relate with that are we willing to to say, Lord, what is it in my life that I can cut out? What is this stuff in my time, but also in my heart, in my habits, and in my daily walk that, that are maybe not hectic sins that are causing me to go to hell, but are taking time and taking space in my life and my energy and my faith that I want to rather spend pursuing you. Amen. Are you with me? So he speaks about us humbling ourselves and praying and seeking his face. And then, you know, part of this walking in the light, part of this accountability thing is realizing, whoa, I want to turn from everything that's not pleasing to God. And the last while I've been preaching about that. What are the things in my life that I've gotten used to that they are there, but they're actually creating an opportunity for the enemy to wreak havoc in my life? What are the things that do not please God? Am I, am I willing to walk in the light? To so say to a brother or a sister in small group, to say to somebody that cares for me, that loves me, say, listen, I, I need your help with this. I need your prayer. I want to I grow in this area. I, wanna, I don't want to continue in this cycle. I mean, And then there's this powerful promise. And I will hear from heaven. I will forgive this. And through the blood of Christ, as we walk in the light, he forgives us, us, and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Amen. And then I will heal their land. Also, read from Jeremiah twenty-nine. Another one that we love and we quote a lot, um, and I believe also talks about this type of consecration. And this context here is that the the nation of Israel is in bondage, but he's calling them out, and he's. Um, he's promising that there will be a time when he will um, take, bring them back. Excuse me. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you future and a hope. But th- We often stop there. But then he says, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me. When will we find him? When you seek me. With all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. I will bring you back to the place from which I have sent you into exile. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and, um, and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And when I look around me, it seems that so little of what we do these days, we do with all our heart. Because our hearts are divided all over the place. There's so much happening. There's so much I'm trying to do at once. (laughs) You know, you have this thing that we pride ourselves that we can multitask. But I don't know, guys. I don't know if multitasking is the best thing. Especially when it comes to the presence of God. Especially when it comes to pursuing Him, right? Especially even even when I think about spending time with my children, that's an area with my wife. I don't want to multitask when I'm doing something like that. Are you with me? So yes, there's times when it's good to multitask, hallelujah. You you know, being able to drink coffee while driving, that's helpful, you know, something like that. I don't want to get distracted, but the the kids are actually me and the children, let me just be honest. We had this idea that we're going to put a a powerful magnet in an empty coffee cup. And then we'll put it, a Starbucks thing or something branded, and we put it on the roof of the car. So we drove around like that for the last two days. So this cup sits there on the roof, and it it doesn't go anywhere. It just sits there. Um, But people are concerned, you know, at the the robots or at the traffic light. People like waving and then... (laughs) <laughs> so, the kids love it. they think it's very funny, and then I tell Daddy, just, just take a sip and then put it back, and then I pretend to take a sip and then I put it back <laughs> on the roof In any case um so it's, sometimes multitasking is great, but mostly at the things that are really that really matter multitasking is not good so um It's as if society says you should be able to check all the notifications and check everything while you are busy with X, Y, Z. But I'm so convicted that when I'm pursuing the presence of God, when I'm pursuing relationship with my children or with my wife, or anything that's worthwhile, I mean, I'm not multitasking. I want to focus. And I see this here, he says, with all your heart. And... um, I remember when I was just getting to know Erna. No, no, it was way beyond that. I'd got to know Erna, and I was in that stage where I really liked her a lot. All right, but it, I wasn't yet in a position to express that. It took a long time. Shame, the poor woman. <laughs> she had to be very patient with me. In any case, but yeah, you know, I used to. Go absolutely out of my way to run into Anna on, by accident, so that I could spend time with her on, by accident. You know? so I would do a lot, go through a lot of trouble. You know, the campus was here, Anna's res was there, my flat was there, but I would go like this, you know, to cycle home from class. And I never used to study in the in the library, but then I heard Anna studies in the library. Guess what? I I became very studious, and I studied in the library, (laughs) and we ran into each other a lot on campus. But I spent a lot of time organizing these random running into each others. Amen? Can you relate? But that for me sounds like seeking with all your heart. Amen? So, this week, when I talk about relationships, you can ask questions about what of that is is godly and what's not godly and (laughs) how should you do it. And yeah, I can tell you some mistakes I made and stuff. Don't wait too long and don't frustrate the lady too much. In any case, but but that was all my heart. Can you see that? I didn't care how much time it took, didn't care. Just made it happen. He's saying, "Oh, see, when you uh, oh, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart." And I'm convicted that. Am I really seeking him, still with all my heart? Or are there so many things that are pulling on my heart? I want to read this, but it's not on the screen from Psalm 86. Okay, we need to finish. Psalm 86, David writes. The other day, Abby was reading Psalms, and I said to her, "You know what's a good Psalm to memorize? It's 119." So she said, "Great!" And she started reading. I said, "Just, just quickly have a look, babe, <laughs> before you commit to this. Just have a look at how long it is." And so she said with big eyes, "Okay, Psalm 86, um, verse 11. Teach me Your way, O Lord. That's a good prayer." If you don't know what to pray, teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord, my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forevermore. But I feel I need to pray this prayer. There's so much going on in my heart. There's so much going on in my head, you know. Unite my heart. Bring it all together that I will not be... All over the place. But that my heart will be united in my pursuit of who he is. Amen. Unite my heart, Lord, that I might fear your name. That I won't fear nothing else. So I can really relate to this. And I want to pray this prayer a lot. All right. All right. You know, in Psalm 24, David writes, he says, Who? will ascend into the hill of the Lord, into the holy place. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not sworn deceitfully, who has not lifted up his soul to anything else. And I really feel that's part of that invitation, saying, saying, I want you to ascend. I want you to come higher. I want you to come into my presence. But purify yourselves. Get rid of this stuff. Do not lift up your soul. And when I think, you know, of what Birgit was sharing about just getting stuck in that pattern, and what I can so relate to that getting stuck in patterns of stuff that take our soul to a place where we escape into something, but we're not pursuing Him. It's just taking us somewhere else. Um. That we will not lift up our souls to anything else. That our souls will need not be consumed. Our hearts and our thoughts will not be consumed by anything else. But Him is inviting us to that place of consecration. Amen. Let's stand this evening. We're going to pray together. One of the things that pull us away from his presence and so cool it came up in the worship as well is the fear. Fear is one of the big things. Abby and I, it's our eldest, she's 11. We had a good chat about that the other day, how what's one of the only weapons that the enemy has left that you're deceiving us into being afraid, um, anxious about things, afraid of things. And we spoke about how Peter... It's you know obviously this moment where Jesus calls Peter out onto the water. That's for them really amazing piece of scripture. Jesus calling him out onto the water and him walking on the water. And I said to her, so, so what happened there? You know, did Peter actually walk on the water? Yes, he was actually walking on the water. And then I said, so when did he stop? When did things go wrong? You know what happened? And then she could see her grasping. She said, he, d- he looked away from Christ and he was afraid because he saw the waves and he saw the wind and he saw the reality, the facts, right? Face the facts. He was, he, he was looking at Jesus and walking on water. Then he was facing the facts, what people always tell us to do, face the facts. And once he started facing the facts, he started sinking because of fear it took over. And I was trying to explain to her that fear and faith kind of really work against each other. And uh, and that's why the enemy uses it as a, as a, such a tool to, to bring us to a place where we struggle to walk in faith. Because if we are afraid, if we uh in fear uh, in a situation, it's almost impossible for us to, f- to hear God. It's almost impossible to hear the, the voice of God when you're in a place of fear. It takes faith, amen, to hear God's voice. It takes faith to to walk in His provision. So, yeah, that's one of the things that I believe God wants to, us to say, Lord, I don't want any fear in my heart. Um, but the, the world around us is full of fear, right? And there's so many things. You <laughs> can make lists, so many things to fear, but He's, He's inviting us to a place where we fear only Him. Unite my heart that I won't fear your name, Lord. He's inviting us to that place. And we as we just sang earlier and as we prayed, the love of God casts out all fear. And I believe that's part of what God was doing earlier on. He was as he's immersing us in his love, fear has to leave. Amen. There's no space for both. When his love Fools us, all all fear has to go. Amen. Let's pray. We're going to have communion in a moment, so I'll, I'll hand it out just now. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your presence in this place, God. We thank you for your peace. We thank you for your word. Ask Holy Spirit that you would, that you would speak into every life right now in the name of Jesus. Yeah, Lord, you know where each of us are at. You know where we find ourselves, Lord. You know where, where our hearts are, Lord. You know the things that we are anxious about, Lord. You, you know the things that we worry about, the, You know the things that we fear. Yeah, so in the name of Jesus, we ask Holy Spirit that you gently bring conviction right now. We want to pray that prayer with David, Lord. Unite our hearts. Unite in our inner being. Unite us, Lord, to a place that we would fear your name only.